Welcome to the Demand Gen Club podcast, the first podcast exclusively dedicated to B2B demand generation secrets and best practices as shared by some of the top leaders in the industry. This podcast is brought to you by SASMQL, the account-based marketing agency based in Redwood City, California. They help venture-funded SaaS companies scale demand generation from target accounts. By combining intent data, automation, and a proven methodology, SASMQL can help your startup generate millions of dollars in sales opportunities within a few months. To learn more, go to sasmql.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Demand Gen Club podcast. I'm your host, Franco Caporale. Our guest today is Inadilia Fadiv, Director of Demand Generation at Gravitational. Gravitational empowers engineers to access and distribute computing resources anywhere on the planet. At Gravitational, Inadilia is in charge of scaling their leads and pipeline for the growing sales team. She is extremely process-oriented and has a strong experience building high-performing marketing teams at B2B tech startups. Before Gravitational, she was the Director of Demand Generation at Lightstep, and before then, Senior Demand Generation Manager at Influx Data. So I'm really happy to welcome today Inadilia Fadiv, Director of Demand Generation at Gravitational. And Adilia, it's really great having you on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Cool. So I want to understand immediately from you something about your story and your background. Tell us how did you get started with demand generation? Where were some of your previous roles and what you're doing today? Yeah. So I always knew that I wanted to be a marketer. That's what I studied in my undergrad. And uh, while in college, I interned at the Small Business Administration and the Chamber of Commerce. Um, And those internships really gave me an opportunity to work closely with small businesses. And I knew that's something I liked. So um, I started to become more active in some of the meetups in the Bay Area, like Tech in Motion and SF Startup. And that's really where I fell in love with startups. Um, And that's where I got my first job at a company called Visage Mobile. Um, and I started doing a little bit of everything. So email marketing, some social media, and then about two months into the job, uh, we got Marketo. So I got my first experience with marketing automation and I've been using them ever since. So I've worked, like I mentioned, at Visit Mobile. I was at ToutUp, at Inkling. Um, these companies were marketing to sales leadership. And then about four years ago, I joined a company called Influx Data um, that markets to developers and engineers. And I really became really passionate about marketing to that audience. And I have been doing that ever since. Currently, the director of demand generation at Gravitational. And we help enable engineers to really quickly access computing resources anywhere. So our product, Teleport, is an open source product that provides a unified access plane that is used by developers and security professionals to help them simplify secure access to their environments, applications, and data. So very technical audience, but I very much enjoy it. And uh, you joined pretty recently, like a couple of months ago. So what were your first steps as soon as you joined Gravitational? What, what are the few things that you immediately started focusing on? Yeah, so um, I mean, the very first thing that I do uh, when I join any company really is to almost do an audit of what are some of the programs they've done in the past? Uh, how are they measuring success? 
what tools uh, are available, what, what tools they're using. And what's really interesting is you, you won't believe the amount of companies that I've seen, that I've worked at, and that I've also seen from peers who are still paying for subscriptions for tools that they're not using. So that's the first thing that I do is looking at what's been done in the past, how are we measuring results, and what, are, what tools are we using to help support those things. And then, you know, once you do that initial audit, you find areas of opportunity, you find areas where there might be some challenges that you can help address. Um, and then you really start building a plan on how to, how to fix those things and how to implement some of the new processes. And what's uh, your team like at Gravitational today and where you think it's going to go in the next few months? Um, yeah, so we are a Series A startup. So the marketing team is, is fairly lean, but really have all the key players. I mean, on, on the marketing side, right? Um, I would say demand generation, product marketing, content is uh, what I call the, the holy trifecta. These are, um, you know, the, the people that you want initially on your team. At Gravitational, our SDR team reports into marketing. So they're part of the team as well. And then that's where we are today. I, I can definitely see us growing as the company grows into having more um, focus on uh, PR and communications and some of those other areas where as you're getting started, you're probably getting support from agencies rather than having house. And from a tech stack point of view, what's your favorite tech stack when, when you join your company or you know, what you try to have as the ideal tech stack? Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm definitely all about being lean. So for us today, gravitational, you know, obviously we're Series A, getting started. So uh, using Marketo, Salesforce, um, Apollo for SDR emails, and then Zoom for webinars, which I think is one of the best uh, webinar platforms out there. Other tools that I've used in the past, right, as we grow on the complexity of maybe lead routing it increases, then we'll want to look at something like lean data to help with that. Um, as more resources are being put into um, the marketing investment, we'll want to start looking at some of the attribution tools that can help us, you know, make sense of our investment and for resources where they are making the most impact. But uh, getting started, I think those are, you know, those uh, will be good for a while. Perfect. And uh, I also want to know and understand more how you, uh, how you track your uh, success, how you measure your KPIs once you, you know, obviously you're new in the company, so you, you already had a feeling of what are the opportunities, but what are some of the, the methods that you looked at to understand what are the opportunities to work on and to focus the next few months? Um, yeah, I mean, my, my top metric really is pipeline. You know, obviously here I've, I've just joined two months ago, but pipeline is the is my main metric and it has been for many, many years in, in a demand gen role. You know, if pipeline's great, then we're doing what's working, right? So we want to dig in to see like, what are the activities that are actually driving the most pipeline so that we can continue to do those and focus our resources there. If we're not meeting our pipeline numbers, then it's uh, looking at what are the other metrics that are leading indicators to pipeline, right? Whether that's uh, SDR meeting set, whether that's sales engaged uh, leads and accounts, uh, all the way to the top of funnel, right? So those are some of the metrics that I look at to make sure that um, we are putting our efforts and resources into the right activities, but it, it all comes down to pipeline. And in terms of pipeline, I assume you mean sourced by marketing or is overall pipeline of the company? 
um, overall, right? Okay. The, uh, you know, obviously we want to drill into to see exactly, okay, is this, our, you know, which efforts are paying the most? Um, when I look at pipeline, I like looking at as hot, warm, and cold. So hot would be your hand raisers, right? People that want to request a demo or want to contact sales or signing up for trials. Those are great. They convert to opportunities at a higher rate, but it might be much harder to influence. Something that takes time to build trust with those prospects and provide enough value where they want to do that action. Warm would be all of your other marketing activities, right? Are people downloading eBooks? Are they attending our events and webinars? And are we able to then convert them into opportunities? And cold is uh, direct prospecting. You know, I, even though it's not necessarily a demand gen function, at the end of the day, we're not successful if the company is not generating revenue, right? So even though I'm not the one that's uh, cold calling and doing this prospecting, I, want, I also want to make sure, I, I still want to track that metric and, and understand what are the activities, what is the messaging that's actually influencing that and support the STR team in those efforts. Perfect. So in, we're going to touch later about, you know, your relationship with sales because it's I know it's a big component. First, I would like to understand a little more how you how you track this pipeline and how do you see the contribution of marketing for that pipeline? Because I know many companies maybe look at the last touch, for example, from an attribution perspective of saying, oh, this campaign was the last one that touched before we created an opportunity or it's more first touch depending on the business model. But like, how do you prove that your efforts and the budget that you're investing is actually driving pipeline and then revenue. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't think anyone's solved that issue yet. I know there are several tools out there that can help you with some of this attribution, but I don't think that's something that will ever be 100% solved, right? You can't attribute something where uh, someone saw you at an event, they didn't stop by your booth, so you didn't get that lead, but they went home and Googled you and now they're a lead, right? So it technically should be attributed to the event, but there's no way to, of putting those two, uh, those two activities together. So uh, that's number one, right? Knowing that not everything can be attributed to. Um, and then I would say it depends on the stage where you are, right? Like we're, we're so early stage that we really don't need an expensive tool or a complex attribution model at this point. And I think it also depends on your sales cycle, right? So for us, Right, you know, I like to start with first touch as my attribution, and I do that because our sales cycle is not very long, and so we don't really block our SDR team from reaching out to someone who's you know maybe just downloaded an ebook or sign up for a webinar and they might not be quite ready to talk to sales yet. In early stages of a company, I think it, it's definitely fair to you know to have the SDR team engage early and have the SDR team nurture if needed. So first touch, it works for me. And then as, as we grow and things get a little more complex, I've used tools like Lean Data in the past to look at pipeline attribution, uh, especially influence pipeline. It's good to understand what activities are driving the behavior that you want, which includes generating pipeline. But um, I think it's also important not to get too hung up on that fact because then you get into a situation where you're talking about credit, who gets credit for what, and that's never a healthy conversation to have. Um, it's important to understand what, what campaigns are working and what campaigns are driving the results that you want. But, you know, as long as it doesn't turn into a conversation of who gets credit or who's doing the most work, that, that's, ne that's never a healthy conversation. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's always detrimental when you see like the sales team arguing on who 
source the opportunity if it was marketing or sales that never leads to something good and it kind of kills all the collaboration that should happen between marketing and sales i agree and you mentioned you like to start lean especially when you work you know with series a companies so what are some of the the programs and you know campaigns as well that worked out really well for you to generate leads and pipeline without you know breaking the budget it's all about content, right? You know, if I'm on a limited budget, I want to make sure that I'm working very closely with our content team, focusing on SEO to drive those organic leads uh, to come back to your website. That's probably my, my ideal lead source would be that, you know, you're bringing people to your site, they're learning about you, they're finding value, and then working on ways of making sure that there are conversion points on your site, right? And I know there's a whole debate of should we gate, should we not gate? I think each company, depending on their audience and their industry, you know, might, it might make sense or not. I personally don't feel strongly either way, but I think that, you know, having a place where someone can convert is important and it, it can be as simple as, you know, maybe there's a free trial of the product that someone can use, right? Uh, or maybe there's an online training coming up that they want to sign up for so they can learn more how to use X, Y, and Z or solve uh, certain problems of, or challenges that they have. So de- definitely content is key, especially when working on a li- limited budget, driving people back to our site, making sure there are conversion points, and then making sure that you're like touching on your prospects pain points and are articulating in a clear way how you solve those pain points will help you attract the right customers. And you mentioned you use a Zoom webinar, so I assume you're going to do webinars as part of your you know, content uh, repurposing or to you know, push your content out in different, in different forms. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, 2020 is a little bit different, but in prior years, marketing to such a technical audience such as developers and engineers we found that you know they're always seeking knowledge whether it's how to solve a problem that they're having at work or how to get the results that they want on a certain project or or even learning new skills because they're trying to you know change not jobs but just like job functions right maybe stay within the same company but so the more educational content out there the better for this type of audience and uh, you know we found that to be successful and that's in the form of webinars online trainings workshops, things where people can actually join, have some live Q&A or really hands-on, they can start uh, solving some of the problems that they're, that they're experiencing, especially, I don't know if I mentioned, but we're, we're open source. And so when you're working for a company that has an open source offering, it just makes getting started that much easier, right? So online workshops and training via Zoom are great. I absolutely agree. I, I worked for an open source company in the past and webinars and workshops were by far our number one source of opportunities, even from uh, from very large accounts. Because, it, yeah, you're providing something of value, right? Like I, I, it, it should not be a sales pitch. And I think the, the fact that your, your product is open source helps with that because it means, hey, you, you know, you don't have to buy from us. You can start using this tool and it's going to help you so- solve some of these issues. But let's say you're, you don't have an open source offering. I think when, when doing these sort of presentations, it's important to be able to show the audience how they can address a certain challenge 
in many ways, right? It doesn't have to be, oh, you can only solve it with our tool. Obviously, you know, the fact that the company is spending a lot of engineering efforts into building this tool makes it so it makes it easier for people to solve their problems by using the tool. Others can try things in-house or can try to kind of like piece together something that resembles the offering that you have. I think it's very important to show options. It should not be a sales pitch. It should be like, here's different ways of how you can do it. It just happens that your product is the fastest to getting started, easiest to get results. And I remember when I was, you know, Couchbase is open source. We were doing, at some point, we were doing four webinars a week. What is some of your suggestion to maintain a high, you know, in-depth, like a very high sequence of, uh, of webinars, meaning like, doing webinars so frequently and still adding value all the time how do you how do you maintain that well um if there's if there's demand that means uh, there's a need right so as long as people are signing up and actually attending and finding value from them then that that might be the right cadence um i think it really depends on the company but uh in terms of you know how do you make sure that you're actually providing value in all these is Hey, maybe on your registration page, you have a, a, a field that as people are registering, they can submit their questions, right? That increases the chances of them attending because, you know, they want their question answered and what better than this, you know, this expert that's presenting in this webinar. So that's one way of continuing to drive um, attendance and uh, engagement. Um, another way is, especially for, for these companies, right? You mentioned Couchbase uh, and open source, like a lot of companies that have open source products will have a community forum or a Slack channel where people in the community can engage. Take a look at what are the most frequently asked questions there, right? Like people, if people are continuing to ask these questions, then this is something that's of interest. So a webinar, doing a webinar or training session on those topics would be a great opportunity to address those. Um, but uh, and then, obviously, sorry, webinars takes, you know, a lot of time and I see a lot of companies, maybe they do it once and then it's like, you know, so much work and so much effort to, to do it regularly. Do you guys have someone assigned to come up with new webinar ideas and do the whole logistics behind it or is something developed by the entire team? Um, I mean, right now it's all hands on deck, right? We, you know, we're all working to help contribute with this, but as, as companies grow, uh, I've seen in different companies, you know, having a DevRel team, so developer advocates whose job is to do exactly that, right? Work with the community of open source users or the community of people that care about the product and do these sort of training sessions, speaking sessions. So as companies grow, there, there can be a dedicated uh, resource for this. But for us early stage, I, it's all of us, right? Because at the end of the day, the more people know about who we are and know how to use our product, um, the more chances that those will, you know, percentage of them will turn into pipeline. And then yeah, we're all happy and hit, hitting our numbers. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I know <laughs> webinars can, can really grow very fast once you start doing it regularly. And that's probably the hardest thing to do. I want to switch away a little bit from webinars, but I want to start talking about ABM because I know you mentioned ABM and it's something that, you know, in B2B high ticket SaaS is, you know, the primary way to, to market to this audience. So how do you implement an ABM strategy from scratch in a new company that hasn't done it before? That is 
a very good question. And this is something that before you go on and spend six figures on software that helps you with ABM, I think it's important to take a step back and really think about what is it that we're trying to accomplish. I found that a few years ago, ABM was the word of the day and saw a lot of companies that just said like, hey, we have to do ABM, but because everyone else was doing it. So I think it's important before even diving into that is understanding like, what is it exactly that we're trying to accomplish? And also really, you know, for us on the demand gen side, work very closely with your sales team and product marketing, because product marketing, you know, part of their job function is to research the, you know, who is the total addressable market? Who are the personas that are buying? Who are ideal customer profiles? And oftentimes, maybe the answer is we don't need to do ABM, right? Not, not, not every company needs to move into an account-based model. If you've identified that there is some value in doing ABM, then, then the next step is to start thinking of, okay, you know, at what level of ABM do we want to do? Is it 100%? I want to bet that the majority of companies are going to say no to that, unless you're in some very... Uh, specific industry, like, I don't know, like you're selling to oil and gas and there's only so many oil and gas companies. Something that I like doing is before investing a lot of uh, money and time into launching ABM programs is to test it out with us, the art team. Let's, let's do some outbound prospecting into these programs uh, so we can validate any of the targeting, like are we targeting the right companies and the right personas of those companies? And do we have the right messaging that is resonating with them, right? Like that's a great way to validate some of those before you put a lot of money and time into building out an ABM program. Yeah. And what I see a lot of, uh, you know, the issues are particularly at the beginning in choosing the right accounts. If you start doing ABM, the fundamental step is having the right list of target accounts, not just from a fit perspective, but also from potential intent of these accounts of purchasing your solution. So how do you think that step can be accomplished in, in the ideal way? So obviously you talk about product marketing uh, team to look at the TAM and who will use it, but how do you see the collaboration between marketing and sales in choosing the accounts that will be part of the program? It has to be very close aligned, right? So we, and that's why I think it's especially important also to bring in product marketing into this conversation because I've seen companies where product marketing thinks that their ideal customer profile is this person and these companies or this industry. um, And then sales has a whole different idea of it. So it's important that the three of us are in the conversation and that we're in agreement. Yeah, and that's why I mean I think validating the this with the SDR team is a, is a great first test to see if this works. Once product marketing, sales, and demand gen are in sync on okay, we've identified exactly the industries or the company types. Um, then sales does a really good job at identifying good prospects based on uh, you know some additional research that they're doing, like LinkedIn Sales Navigator is key for some of these. You know, once we have some of the intelligence from product marketing is working closely with the sales team to ensure that who they want to target is also who product marketing says is a good fit for a product and is also someone who we on the demand gen side know that we can target through some of these various channels. Awesome. And uh, touching again on your, uh, you know, relationship with sales, which if you're doing ABM is, has to be very close and is really important. What kind of uh, cadence do you recommend for a small marketing team that want to work effectively with a sales team 
I want to be on every meeting that sales is in. So I join their weekly meetings. I think it's important to not only learn some things, maybe some of the feedback they're hearing from prospects or, you know, just some of that feedback they can bring back to the marketing team and, and help make some changes into the programs you're running, but also just building those relationships, right? Like for me on the demand gen side, my customer is sales, right? Like the job that I'm doing is to help sales hit their number. And so the closer relationship that I have with my customer and the closer I understand what their needs are and what their pain points are today and find ways that I can help alleviate that, then that makes all of our jobs better. So definitely be on all the weekly meetings with them. And I think the most important part is knowing your audience, right? Like we're marketers. We, we're always thinking about who our audience is and what they care about. That should also be the case when we're interacting with, with our peers on the sales side. And uh, do you have a specific dashboard that you guys share to kind of review the weekly progress or do you just share your regular marketing dashboard? It, it depends, right? Like for, for our weekly meetings, sometimes we'll, we'll look at some numbers. Sometimes it's just mostly having those conversations and getting some anecdotal feedback. Or sometimes it's just sharing like, hey, you know, we have this big event coming up. Uh, you can invite your customers to join us. Depending on what's going on and where we are in the quarter, that's how I'll adjust what my what I'm sharing. If it's end of quarter, I'm not going to be talking about, hey, we have this marketing campaign coming up because I know that all focus is on closing the quarter. Uh, at the beginning of the quarter, I want to get the team pumped on what we have coming up because that's got to mean, you know, potentially pipeline within that same quarter. That's awesome. I have one very last question. Since, uh, again, you just joined uh, the company recently, it's a Series A company. What's your advice for someone who is in your same position, joining early stage company that had, there is a lot of things to do? What would you recommend to do as a first step in someone in your shoes? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things, right? Like one is do an inventory of what's been done, what's worked what hasn't worked and chances are maybe you're coming in fresh and they've never really done any marketing campaigns in the past and and that's all right too right then you have to be comfortable with experimenting trying different channels trying different vendors you know recording all of your results and then getting feedback from sales and seeing what's actually working on on driving pipeline i also think definitely start lean on the tool side it's really really easy to add-on tools, but it's really hard to edit out. And it's also really hard to get out of contracts. Like I said, uh, start lean and then you can always build up. That's, that's easier to do. So, and finally, I would say definitely have a very close relationship with sales. I know that it's challenging now that we're all working remote, but, you know, just schedule one-on-one, have a casual conversation, join the virtual happy hours or coffee chats that your office is putting together. Like all of those things really matter and really make a difference. I think having those opportunities to build trust and build relationships is really important. And we all know that sales, are, they all, always those with the coolest events and right? the coolest happy hours. So I always wanted to join them. Yeah, it's important. I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, I invite myself to QBRs, to sales kickoffs. Well, first of all, like you sh- if you're in a band gen, you should be at sales kickoff, even if, you know, even if you're not presenting, which I think you should present, but stay for all of the sessions. Like you should be at all the QBRs, should be, you know, invite yourself to the sales meetings. I invite myself to the sales happy hours. That's, that's totally fair. I consider myself unofficial member of the sales team. hundred percent. I think that <laughs> makes, makes a huge difference once you start developing the relationship. 100%. Absolutely. 
Inadid, has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks again for spending the time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.